When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Time to bring in the flash bugger from over the Tasman. It is uh, Pete Fairbairn. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. I didn't know you were... You realised or remembered I'm a massive fan of Queen. My uh, my eldest son's name is Freddie, um, and rest assured, it's not named after Fitler. So uh, what a what a fantastic intro! You're giving me a real pump up there. Nice, mate. Nice. You didn't you, you went with Freddie over Brian or, or Roger or John? Oh, mate. You know us Aussies. We love to be the showman, you know, the front man, and uh, it just falls very naturally for us. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if our mates across the ditch were. Yeah, a bit more like a John Deacon type and a little bit more reserved. But no, we like to be the centre of attention. And uh, yeah, that's why why you call us to, to say the big things and tell you how good our wallabies are going, for example. Well, for example, mate, yeah, yeah. It was a great comeback win in that uh, that match because I, uh, watching that, you were nine points down, you got back into it and then you were nine points down again. I was like, how much more have they got left in them? Especially when Quaid went off with that ruptured Achilles. I, I, I you know, and you'd gone the 6-2 split on the bench, so you had to have Reese Hodge come in and play 10 effectively. Um, I, I wasn't sure how you were going to go, but, man, you, you ran the RGs down in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, it was gutsy, wasn't it? And, um, you know, I, I think it was Tim Horan who, who said that, you know, when you're playing in Argentina with the, the crowd right on top of you, it's a fairly hostile environment. And, um, you know, it, it's almost like you know, the, the halftime deficit or lead is, you know, add another 10 points onto it. So... I thought it was a really, really gutsy performance, a, a fair degree of um, disruption during the week with uh, Dave Parecki and then Michael Hooper being ruled out of the match and, and then obviously Quaid suffering a really serious injury, um, you know, already on the back of a number of injuries suffered, um, you know, during the England series. So I, I thought it was a really, really gutsy performance and, and one that, uh, you know, I'm sure Dave Rennie will take plenty out of, two great debutants, um, I'll talk to you a little bit about shortly in, in Jed Holloway and Matt Gibbon. And, man, have they got some, some great stories to get to where they've been uh, able to make a, a test debut for the Wallabies as well. So, look, a, a fair degree of, um, of positivity over these ways about the performance. Uh, the problem now becomes a case of trying to work out who's going to be the general, who's going to be the playmaker, because we finally got to see Quaid on the field for the first time this year. And, and it was, look, it was the type of rocks and diamonds performance we've come to expect from from Quaid, but, uh, you, you know, you generally always see the best of him and the worst of him at the same time. But, um, you know, I, I think at the same time, Coach Rennie's really, um, you know, had played his hand over the last 12 months or so to say that, that Quaid was the man that he saw playing in that 10 jersey, really probably right through to next year's Rugby World Cup. So it's a, a case of resetting now. And, and you know, Dave and, and his team have to come to, to terms with the fact that, you know, an injury of that nature and, and at Quade Cooper's age, we may not see him back in that gold jersey again. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that, actually. I mean, you know, he's 63 or something. Um, <laughs> I don't know how long those injuries take to recover from, but can he recover and get back to that level ahead of a World Cup? Has he got time? 
Yeah, well, I'd love to say it's 63 years of living rent-free in, in Kiwi's head, but then the reality is that you've got the body of work results-wise to suggest that maybe it's the other way around. Mm. Uh, look, the Achilles injuries and the calf before it, they're what people in, in elite sport often say are, are old man injuries. Um, there's no escaping that fact. And unfortunately, um, you know, he, he plays his rugby, obviously, in Japan in the second division over there. Um, you know, if, if you're talking a... a you know, 10 to 12 months recovery and then trying to get some footy in next year. It doesn't leave much of a runway before that Rugby World Cup. And um, look, if he were to make it back somehow and be involved in the squad, it'd be a, a phenomenal achievement. And love him or loathe him, I, I think if he could earn his way back and, and be diligent in his rehab and demonstrate that he, he had something to offer in that squad, um, you'd have to celebrate that. But right now, uh, it's just really not not viable, I guess, for the Wallabies selectors to move forward, considering him a key part of those Rugby World Cup plans. Well, what next then? I mean, is it as simple as you, you go, you invest in youth now? Or Not that he's super young, but, you know, he's, he's had a crack, got found out a little bit, he's come back and been better and Noah Lollaseal, or do you look at James O'Connor? I mean, who do you think is the 10 for the next six months then? Yeah, look, I think you've got to, you've got to back in the guys who are in that squad already. So there's been talk about Bernard Foley. He had a good season in Japan with with Kubota and took a, a fairly ordinary squad to the semi-finals in Japan. And um, you know, obviously, has played a lot of tests in that Wallaby jersey. Brings a lot of experience. There's talk about Kurtley Beale. Of course, he's signed to play with the New South Wales Waratahs next year and is likely to be in the mix for the spring tour after finishing up. Over in over in France, and uh, he's, he's currently rehabbing an injury himself. Um, you know, and, and I'm probably not all that in favour of, of Kurtley Beale being an option at all, personally, let alone in the ten jersey where he hasn't really played any footy there in a long time. But you look at the Wallabies squad; you've got James O'Connor in there. He's had a disrupted, uh, you know, two or three months really with some injuries, and came in and played in the second test against the English, and and was a bit off the boil. Um, you've got Noah Lodiceo there, who um, you know now has got um, you know, t- two years of test footy into him and, and clearly um, some good moments and some not-so-good moments. Uh, but they've invested a lot of time and a lot of energy in Noah. Um, and then you've got Reese Hodge there as your third 10 in the squad, covering lots of positions. Does give you the opportunity to have that 6-2 split on the bench, which we saw on the weekend. And really, if you were going to bring anybody from outside that mix into the squad, you'd have to have a pretty compelling argument for it. And, uh, you know, for, for mine, if you were, you, you look to the next in line, who was playing for Australia A over in Fiji in the Pacific Nations Cup last month. And you look at, at one of the young Waratahs in Ben Donaldson or Tane Edmed. But for me, I, I don't think they have the runs on the board at the moment. I, I don't think there's a lot to gain by bringing them into the squad and into the environment. Um, maybe if we were two or three years out from a Rugby World Cup, I'd think a little bit differently. But you know, if I'm Noah Lollaseo, um, you know, I know the pressure's on. I, I know that every time I've, I've won the gold jersey, the pressure's on. And, um, you know, you're, you're already playing the most intense position on the field and, and so much rests on your performance. If he doesn't get the unequivocal backing from here to... Um, look, at the very least, he, he needs to be in every Wallaby Test 23 from now until the end of the season uh, to demonstrate, you know, whether... It is all in on, on him, um, or, or, or whether um, Dave Rennie's going to go in a different direction. I, I think you've invested the time, you've invested the energy, you've got to back him in and, and see whether he can make it. And I was saying to someone just before, I think that's what you guys would do over the ditch. Um, I know right now things aren't, aren't necessarily going all that swimmingly for the All Blacks, and 
Um, I'm sure your listeners have, have probably had enough of that and don't need to hear from, from a bloke over these ways talking about that. But I would like to think as a general rule what, what you guys have demonstrated with someone like a, a Richie Mwanga, for example, when he was first brought into that test environment is is you know, someone was identified as being a you know an extremely talented player in that position and was given a, a you know a consistent opportunity and backed in to learn at that level and and to demonstrate that he could translate Super Rugby form into international form and I think that's what we need to see Dave Rennie do with Noah Lolithia now. It'll be interesting to see as uh, what what they do do going forward. Of course, got another test this weekend against the Argies over there. It's going to be interesting. Uh, hopefully, it's as uh, as entertaining as uh, the last one, mate. Um, now, Pete, you've been around the blocks a few times. I, I just hope for your sake that at no point in time have you upset Ricky Stewart's kid on a football field because what would he say about you? Uh, I mean, are you are you a gutless dog of a bloke or or not? Look, I've been called many things, generally a bit of a loudmouth or, or a polariser, but never a gutless dog. What an extraordinary outburst. And, um, you know, what a highly inappropriate, uh, you know, thing for, for a head coach to say with a platform like that. Um, you know, I, I just thought it was incredibly inappropriate behaviour from a guy who, who seems to feel he can get into a press conference environment and the rules don't apply to him. Um, you know, c- clearly... Um, details I'm sure will emerge over coming days of what that um, incident was, you know, 11 years ago when when Jamin Salmon played alongside Ricky Stewart's son at you know in, in junior rugby league and and clearly there's an incident there that um, has never healed and and until we know what that is, um, it's really hard to to kind of discuss you know whether whether that's something that should have been resolved. But at the same time, it doesn't excuse taking it into a forum like that and speaking about it without giving uh, Jamin Salmon or his family the opportunity to respond in the heat of the moment without providing any content behind it. Um, and if anything, what I thought it showed us was that, you know, Ricky Stewart w- w- was looking to take the attention off the fact that his Canberra Raiders team were given a golden opportunity, um, you know, to, to try and, and secure a spot in the top eight against the Pembroke team missing, Nathan Cleary missing Jerome Luai and, and his Canberra team came up short and were found out again. And Viliami Kikau. Mate, I thought the same thing. I backed I backed the Raiders in in uh, recent form. They've been in pretty good nick. They've had a good run. I thought, oh, they should, they, with missing all of that, the the Panthers should, uh, they, the, the, sorry, the Raiders should take the Panthers here. It didn't happen, mate. I mean, scored that first try and then that was all she wrote. Yeah, that's it. And I was really close to tipping them. I got my, my one wrong was when I tipped the Bulldogs in and Almost started celebrating in the hour mark there, but that's that's a story for another day. But look, um, I, I just I just thought it was, um, you know, to use his own vernacular, it was a pretty gutless way to to try and deflect from from you know a pretty disappointing performance from a Canberra team who I, I still think are living off the reputation of making a preliminary final two years ago. We haven't really seen them do anything since, and Ricky Stewart's just had his contract extended. I mean, from my point of view. Uh, we saw earlier this year in the AFL, um, Western Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge um, ha- had a massive um, issue or, or run run in at a, a press conference post game with a, a journalist from Fox Sports, and um, he, he received a pretty hefty fine after the fact. And actually, pretty similar personality types, Beveridge and um, and Ricky Stewart. And you know, I think when it comes to uh, you know disciplinary action here, and, and bear in mind, Ricky Stewart's got form of of teeing off in press conferences and, 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 you know, really bringing people's character into question, probably referees in the past. But I, I'd be looking at, at a fine of a really heavy nature, uh, you know, which you'd like to see paid by Stewart as opposed to the club. But also I'd be looking at a suspension. I think it's, 
you know, entirely unacceptable. We, you know, we, we punish our footballers when they, um, you know, do the wrong thing on or off the field or, um, you know, if, if they, um, you know, the number of, you know, key players who are suspended at the moment and high-profile players at that for, for doing the wrong thing from a tackling perspective. Um, I, I think the NRL needs to draw a line in the sand here and, and I'd like to see Ricky Stewart suspended for at least a week, if not two. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I know he's got lots of mates in the media over there, doesn't he? I know Paul Kent's a, a big uh, fan of his and uh, who's the other bloke? Hooper, I think. Um, to James Hooper. That, uh, is, yeah, James Hooper. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, he's already come out and said, we don't live in China. You can't ban him for saying that. Um, but, you know... Uh, It'll be interesting to see what does happen because they do drive a lot of the public opinion. Uh, there is something else I saw somebody floated. I don't know if it came from the NRL or somewhere else that they were floating the idea of banning him from the press conferences and the media sit-downs. I'm like, I don't know if that's a punishment if you're a coach. I'm like, thank God, I don't have Look, to do that. Exactly. From my experience working in professional sport, there's not many coaches who want uh, you know, to fulfil media responsibilities. Look, we... I spoke about it, um, you know, with your colleague last week while you were probably off on, on holiday. But, um, you know, also some of the, the stuff relevant in the Commonwealth Games with Kyle Chalmers and what he's come out and, and the way in which he's spoken about, you know, the media turning turning uh, that Australian swim team into a soap opera and, and media being keyboard warriors. I'm slightly biased on this because I'm passionate about media and communications. But that being said, I'm passionate about athlete rights as well. And, I think that we actually need to have a broader conversation in this part of the world with athletes, with coaches, about the role of the media, what the media is there to do, and the responsibility that they have to be good role models. You don't choose whether or not you want to be a role model when you decide to to be involved in a public-facing thing like professional sport as a career. It comes with the territory. It's like being a fireman and saying, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to drive faster. You can't pick and choose. If you choose to be involved in professional sport, you do so in the public eye and you have a responsibility to behave responsibly, um, just like the media have a responsibility to sell papers or to get people listening to their radio shows. They have no obligation to always be positive and promote these sports. So we need to have this, this broader conversation. Um, you know, I think, it's, it's, look, it's relevant to, to obviously what happened you know, over there with, with Ian Foster and the press conference being cancelled. I'm sorry, guys. At the end of the day, you signed up for this. It comes with the territory. You've got to crack on and do it. You have a responsibility to do it appropriately. You know, Bang on there, mate. It is part of the gig. It's, it's part of the job. It's what comes with the territory. Hey, finally, before we let you go, mate, you want to talk uh, everyone's favourite tennis player, Nick Kyrgios, uh, going great guns in the States at the moment. Reached the final in Washington. Has, is it just me or is his playing career actually on the up and up in the last year? Well, that's why I wanted to mention it. I think he actually, he's won the singles and won the doubles over there in Washington. So great prep heading into the US Open and obviously coming off the back of, of qualifying for his first ever Grand Slam final where he went down to, to Novak at, at Wimbledon. And, um, you know, this is a guy who seemingly in the past has, has lamented the fact that he didn't care enough to really be as successful as his talent uh, probably allowed him to be, but it's one of the great turnarounds. You know, the, the, the way that he's playing at the moment, he's really confident that he can beat anyone on his day. And, uh, you know, we know that, that with athletes who, who are so, um, I guess, temperamental in their, in their emotions, we know it could all change on a dime. But right now you're looking at a guy and thinking, this is a guy who, who really has his you-know-what together and, and could be challenging to win Grand Slams consistently. Um, you know, pretty certain. He goes into the US and then, of course, the Australian Open in January. So he can really focus on hard court, hard court tennis at the moment where, where he really does shine. Um, you know, I think it's really, really exciting. And 
Uh, you know, I talk about someone like Ricky Stewart being an atrocious role model. I think Nick Kyrgios has clearly got some of his own demons and, and I don't condone the way he carries himself at all times. But in terms of his ability to apply himself and to, to try and extract every ounce of talent out of himself, and I can't believe this is the example I'm using, but he is quickly becoming a guy who is a shining light to, to you know, all aspirational people um, you know, as they look at the sports world as someone who could have gone down as one of the great unfulfilled talents of all time and is, is actually making all the copywriters out there scribble out the last paragraph and reconsider. Good stuff, Pete. Thanks for coming on and updating us from West Island. Uh, a treat as always, mate. And uh, we'll, we'll try and figure out how, uh, if we can play a song uh, for, your, for your, uh, your newborn uh, that, that fits with her name soon. Yeah, that's right, mate. And, you know, it'd be remiss of me not to say, um, you know, to, to remind you, just have a quick look at that English Premier League table and see where Leeds United are sitting in comparison to your mob, mate. Uh, far happier opening day this year for the Leeds boys. Yeah, very much so, mate. I've got you in my bottom three, to be honest, and uh, that surprised me. So we'll see how it goes. Only 37 more rounds. Only 37 more. <laughs> go, go well, Pete. Good on you, mate. Cheers, mate. There you go. Calling West Island. Do it every week here on Extra Time.